is a Shredder Sunday. We're going to get into this, and I'm going to start with a story. Uh, Pastor Summer was concerned the last service that my story was very long and didn't know if I was going to get into my message, but I swear it has a point, so stick with me for my story. Uh, so my boys were turning seven and eight uh, this last year, and their birthdays are two days apart. So 12 months and two days, I had two babies. So I still have the luxury of having one birthday party for the both of them because they're so close in age. They have the same friends. And so uh, I was preparing for their birthday party at the end of September. And we were going to have a party in our backyard, a pool party. And then uh, I noticed our pool guy had come and all of a sudden I heard all this ruckus and yelling and then I heard pounding on my front door. So he's banging on the front door and I open the door and he's like hyperventilating and stressed out and he's cursing. He's like, I almost stepped on a rattlesnake in your yard. And uh, he's like, but now it's under the bush. He's like, I'm not going to be cleaning your pool today. And he like left. And what I realized, he left all of his pool stuff and everything. Like he was that freaked out that he just left everything and ran. And uh, so I'm like, oh my gosh, we need to deal with these rattlesnakes, this rattlesnake because we're having a party in a couple days and I can't have rattlesnakes in my yard. And so I called animal control. They were very helpful. And they let me know that they would not respond um, to my need while the rattlesnakes were hidden under the bush. That they would come to call them back when the rattlesnake was exposed. And then they would come handle it. And I'm like, well, that's not very helpful because by the time I call you, who is to say it's not going to be back in the bush? Like, what are you going to do, leave? So they said, well, just call us back. I'm like, all right, well, thanks for nothing. Um, so for two days, I kept my children in the house because they don't know any better. You know, you, you try to tell them that it can kill them. They don't understand all that. My three-year-old likes to growl at everything and act like a monster or a zombie. She thinks she's hilarious. So I could just picture like my three-year-old being like, Rah, like in its face. And she doesn't know that it can like leap out 10 feet and bite her. She has no idea. So my kids were bound up in my house for two days while we were waiting for this snake to expose itself. And so we just kept looking out the window. I'd peek over the fence and just waiting for it to come out. And then I was on my way to the gym. That's when I used to work out. And I was in my shoes and my shorts. And I thought, I'll look one last time before I leave because the party was the next day. And I peek over the fence and I think I see it. So I like open the fence and I like go sneaking. Oh, sure enough, it was like all coiled up. So I go tiptoeing away and I run into the house and I put my Ugg boots on. Because if it bit me, at least it has to get through like the sheepskin and the fur, right? So I was like, at least like kind of like buffer the bite. So I'm like, I'm putting my boots on. And I, and I sneak back out of the house because I didn't want my kids to know it was out because they would go running and scare it. So I'm, I'm literally tiptoeing like back out of the house to kill the snake. And then John crosses me in the hall and I'm like, the snake's out. Keep the kids in the house. And he's like, are you crazy woman? And I'm like, yes. And so like I run out. So he's then left with the kids. He's like, oh my gosh. So I go running out and then I realize the snake is right in front of our shed that has all the shovels and the rakes and everything that could potentially be a weapon. And I'm like, gosh darn it. And so I go and I get a broom. That's, that's I got a broom and I got a rock. And I, yes I did. And I was feeling real, you know, pumped up, like adrenaline's going, and I had a broom and a rock. And I was like, I am like Wonder Woman right now. Like, I'm going to go after this thing. And then instead of I was Wonder Woman, then turned into like a woman wondering, like, what the heck was I going to do with a broom against a snake? Like, dust it to death? Like, I don't know. And, and then I just was like, oh, you're crazy, woman. And so I'm like, okay, I need more weapons. So 
I see my neighbor out in his yard, so I run over there and I said, I need a shovel. I'm going to kill a snake. And he goes, no, no, I'll get it. I'm going to save it and I'll bring it to the desert next weekend. (laughs) Yeah. So the neighbor, I'm like thinking, I don't want to save it. I want to kill it. Like, I don't want to scare it back under the bush. I have to take care of it. The party is tomorrow. And so he comes running ahead of me with a container and a shovel. And then John comes out with a bat. Because, again, we have no weapons. Like, they're all blocked by the snake. But on, he holds a record at UCLA for home runs. He could have whacked that thing into tomorrow. But... So he has a bat and like my kids and they're all wanting to see it. So my neighbor's out there. And so he has, and I'm following him because I want to try to kill it. And he, he gets up to it and he's like, oh, rescue plan aborted. And he throws the bucket because what he didn't realize is there was two. There was one right in front of him rattling, all coiled up like, and then this one's all rattling too, like right next to him. And so we're like, oh my gosh. So he, as quickly as he can, kind of like throws a shovel at this one, wounding it. And then he goes over to the other one and like cuts its head off. And I'm like, now's my chance. So I like run over and I like cut the head off the first one. And I'm like, we are the champions, my friend. I was so, so pumped that I got to kill a snake. And uh, then what do you do when you have killings? You post them on social media. So I posted my killings on social media. So there's the snakes. They were not small. But then I was worried, like, oh, dear Lord, is there baby snakes? Like, they're even more dangerous. But anyway, so those are, that's our victory right there. So we chopped their heads off. And uh, someone informed me in the last service I should have thrown them out in, like, an open area so hawks could eat them. I didn't know that. So um, I didn't want to bury it so my kids could dig it up. So we just put them in a paper bag and threw them in our trash can. And then... And then the next day was the birthday parties. And of course, all the children went to see the snakes. And then I'm checking my Facebook post and everyone's like, did you cut off the rattler tail thing? I'm like, no, should I have? Like, I don't know. And so I'm like, well, if the kids want to see it, I might as well take the opportunity to cut off the rattler thing. So we pull the bag out of the trash and we're like, and oh my gosh, did it stink? Like, oh my gosh, it had already started to decay. It was disgusting. So I kind of and the kids are like staring at it. So I got my scissors and I pick up its tail. I know. The same woman wearing leather pants and red lips is like manhandling rattlesnakes. I don't know. Whatever. And so I, uh, I pick up the tail and I try to start cutting it, but then my fingers like went through it. Yeah. So I said, forget the cutting the rattler thing off. Like it'll just have to stay in the trash. So like, why would I want to keep a piece of it? I don't know. But anyway, so we threw it away. That was Saturday. So Trash day wasn't until Tuesday. So, oh, Lordy, did that thing stink. And uh, I could not have been more happy and more thankful when trash day came. So the title of my message this morning or this afternoon is trash day. Trash day. Those stinking snakes kept, kept us bound up in the house for two days. They made us fearful that harm could come to us. Every time I opened the front door to like load the kits in the car, I had because we have a lot of foliage around our front door, I had to make sure that it wasn't like hiding right there. I was like that, you know how when you're kids, you go, you turn off the light and you run and you jump on your bed in case there's a monster underneath. Like I was like looking under my car, making sure there wasn't a snake and then jumping in the car really quick with the kids. It totally left us feeling fearful because we didn't know where it was and when it was gonna strike. And then it was threatening our joy. It was threatening having us to cancel 
my kids' birthday party because I was not going to have a dozen little kids running around in my yard with a rattlesnake running loose. And even though it was under the bush, we knew it was there, and the threat of it affected our lives, how we behaved, what we did, what we didn't do, and we couldn't do anything until it exposed itself. But once it exposed itself, we were able to deal with it once and for all. So today, I want to ask if we could allow the Holy Spirit to expose so we can deal with the snakes in our own lives. And don't be like my neighbor thinking you're going to be able to play with it, save it, hang on to it. Like that is just foolishness. Like you cannot play with a rattlesnake. You cannot play with snakes, the things that can bite you and kill you and poison you. They are not to be played with. So many of us think we can keep these little snakes in our lives, even though they could be hidden for a while. Like, oh, no one sees that little snake that I have. I'm just going to hide that. But the Bible says in Ephesians 5.13 that at some point, everything is going to be exposed into the light. So don't think we can hold on to these snakes and hide them under a bush and think that it's not going to eventually bite you because snakes are predators. They will eventually strike. And when they strike, it's fatal. Don't think you can play and keep snakes around in your life without it causing you harm. Amen. And you can't just deal with the snakes half-heartedly. The first one that my neighbor went after, he just wounded. Okay. So its head was like halfway off. Okay. And, but you would think it would, you know, stop it, but oh no, it was fully still rattling and its head was like up at me. Did you know that after you kill a rattlesnake, it still can bite you and release venom in you? They're still totally deadly after they're dead. And for like 20 minutes, it was still squirming around. You have to, you can't just like go, oh, I'm, I kind of want to give that to God, but I kind of want to keep a little bit. Like you've got to, you've got to cut it off and sever it completely and trash it. You've got to get rid of it. John 15, one through two says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. Let me tell you what happens when you don't cut off unfruitful branches in your life. So we moved into our house about six years ago. And I was so excited because it had a nectarine tree and an avocado tree. I've always wanted to like produce things you could eat from my yard, but I am too lazy to plant them myself. So I was so excited that I had these two trees in my yard. The first year it produced hundreds and hundreds of nectarines. We're having to give it away because they were gonna go bad. So hundreds of nectarines. And then we forgot to prune it and cut it back. So then the next year it produced a little bit less. Then, then we just got lazy and just never pruned it and never cut off the unfruitful branches. Can I tell you that this year it did not produce one stinking nectarine not one because we refused to cut off the things that were unfruitful it spoiled the whole tree because we refused to prune back and cut away the things that were not helpful to the tree same for the tree as the snakes in our life we need to cut them off completely Let the Holy Spirit expose those things this afternoon, those things that have been taunting you, those things that are keeping you bound in fear, those things, those mindsets that limit what God can do in your life, those that limit, that faith that's just limited, just any of those things that are holding you back, let the Holy Spirit expose it and let's throw it out in the trash today, amen? And uh, what's interesting about trash day is that it just kind of like, it's like clockwork. It's trash day. You take your bins out. The trash man comes. He takes it away. I highly doubt that any of us in here have 
decided we want to keep our trash and run after the trash man in desperation down the street, except only parents whose child put their dental retainer in the trash by accident. That's the only way you'd run after a trash truck, by saving yourself thousands of dollars by getting that retainer back. That's the only reason why you'd run after a trash truck. You don't lay in bed at night pondering, thinking about the trash you gave away. You don't go visit your trash down at the dump. You don't try to take a piece of it back after you've thrown it in the trash. Why? Because it's trash. It is not good for you. If you kept your trash back in your house, you would just keep piling it up and piling it up. It would stink. And then you know what that's called? It's a hoarder. And it's a disorder. You don't want to be a hoarder, okay? You don't want to hold on to things that are harmful and stinking up your life. You want to cut it off and get rid of it. Let the trash man take it away. And can I put it to you today? Let God be the trash man this morning. Let him take it away and let him just erase it all. Leave it in 2015. Amen? So let's give it to God today. That sickness, that negative medical report. You know, the fear that that illness in the family line is going to come down upon you. Let's get rid of that today. What about those insecurities that are ruining your relationships? The fear that keeps you bound. That debt that hangs over your head robbing you of your peace. The unforgiveness that's hard in your heart and now you're full of bitterness. The complaining that keeps you living as a victim. The anxiety that keeps you bound in fear. The secret sins that keep you feeling shameful. The addictions that keep you bound. Hebrews 12.1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That's why I love Shredder Sunday. We don't just get to throw off, we get to throw out all of those things that are hindering us and holding us back and get a fresh start. You know, we get to write down all the things that we want to leave behind in 2015. And then we put them through actual shredding machines. Part symbolic, we're shredding it, we're trashing it, we're getting rid of it. But then the other part, it's a powerful declaration of faith. We're believing in prayer and in faith that when we shred those things, God is going to move on our behalf. And those things will be done in our lives. Hebrews 11.1 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There is faith attached to the hope that we have, that when we shred these things, that they are finished. You know, these shredders, they're not supernatural. They're not magical. We did not order them from supernaturalofficesupplies.com. But... While they're not supernatural, we have a supernatural God who wants to move on your behalf. You know, the same God that delivered David from the lion and the bear and Goliath can deliver you. The same God that set Paul free from his prison cell can set you free. The same God that healed the blind, the deaf, the mute, the lame, the diseased, the leper, can raise the dead, can do the same for you. The same God who eradicated barrenness from Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Hannah, and Elizabeth's womb can eradicate barrenness from your womb. Amen? And the same God that created the heavens and the earth and everything in it in six days is just about big enough to create something new in your life in 2016. He created the heavens and the earth. 
He created the heavens and the earth. Think of it in everything in it, every star in the sky, the sun, the moon, the sea, the fish, the birds, everything in it. He, in six days. And I think he just did that just because. He could have done it in an instant. The same God that can do that can create anything that you need in your life. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine or think according to the power that works in us. So this afternoon, church, let's not forget the benefits that we have as believers. Let's not forget the benefits that we have as Christ is our heavenly father. Psalm 103 reminds us, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, and redeems your life from destruction. So as we step out in faith, declaring and believing, God will respond on your behalf. But can I just say, God doesn't necessarily respond to need. He responds to faith. He responds to faith. Let's read a story in Mark 10, starting in verse 46. It says, Now they came to Jericho, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. This event happened about a week before Jesus went to the cross. So Jesus had three years to be traveling throughout the area, working mighty works, miracles, power of God falling, people being healed, set free, delivered, demons fleeing. The news about his power had gotten out. And that is why multitudes were surrounding him. And if they heard that he can heal the sick and do all these things, I guarantee you that that multitude included people who had great need. People, some people having very urgent needs. They needed something from Jesus, but he didn't necessarily respond to each and every need. He responded to the one that called out to him in faith, believing that he could be healed. The same that happened to the woman with the issue of blood in Luke 8. It says that there was multitudes and they were all thronging at Jesus and they all needing and wanting something from him. But the woman who received her healing broke through the crowd and said, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed in Jesus' name. And with great faith, she made her way through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment and power flew out of him. And he said, because of your faith, you have been made well. There was just surrounded by great need, yet she received her miracle because she reached out in faith. The same that happened with the centurion. His servant was healed because of his great faith in Matthew 8. Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead because of his great faith in Mark 5. So Jesus responds to faith not need. Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
So just as Jesus asked blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? What is it today that you want God to do for you? What is it today that you want God to do for you? I guarantee you, I promise you, the miraculous will happen when people shred things and those shredders today. It's happened before. We've had testimony after testimony. We have people who shredded medical reports, negative medical reports, and they received their healing miraculously that year. We have someone in our church who had a $50,000 tax bill that was unexpected end in their lap, and they prayed, and they shredded it, and you know what happened? It was not just dismissed in reverse. They actually received a refund last year. I have a close friend of mine who had $80,000 in medical debt because her daughter was born and then spent the first month of her life in ICU. Can I tell you that the hospital called and said, with no explanation or reason, that $80,000 debt was reduced down to $3,000, which they were ready to pay off immediately. People have shredded negative mindsets that are holding them back, spiritual strongholds, and they have been set free as they believed in faith when they shredded those things. Miracles will happen today, church. And I want to build your faith this morning for the miraculous. It says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want to share these stories with you from the word of God of those people that received their miraculous healing that reached out in faith. I want to share, I shared all those testimonies with you to increase your faith that that can happen for you as well. And this, or this afternoon in Mark 9, 23, I want us to believe that all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible. That means all things. That means all things. All things. So all those things that you have written down on your card, that's included in all things. It's all things are possible. There's no limit. There's not your one little thing on your, your list that God can't do anything about. All things are possible to him who believes. And if he can do it for them, he can do it for you. He is no respecter of persons. Our God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The same miraculous power that healed all of those people, delivered those people, set people free from financial debt is the same God that we serve today that can do it for you. Do you believe it this morning? And I don't want to underestimate or minimize the miraculous. I love it. I love the miraculous. But this morning, I also want us to understand and have wisdom to know the things that God can do versus the things that we can do. James 2.26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So by shredding these things, we're having the faith declaration that we believe that those things will be left behind, that God will deal with that trash and take it away. So if you have faith that those things are shredded and gone, your action should show that you believe that. So let's just use a farmer as an example. If a farmer is believing for an incredible harvest, he's not just in his prayer closet praying and getting holy and believing that he's going to have a, a, a harvest, that, that God supernaturally is going to rain down seed from heaven that God is going to supernaturally cover that seed with dirt, that God's going to supernaturally bring, you know, rain from heaven on that and make it grow. No, he's actually plowing the ground, planting the seed, preparing, watering, tending, keeping, because he's believing that God's going to bring a harvest. Our actions need to show that we believe in faith that these things can happen. So if you want to shred unhealthy, uh, unhealthy lifestyle, well, then you need to start eating better and exercising. If you want to shred debt, you need to start spending within your means. 
Do you know the Bible says that the enemy is the devourer of our finances? But the enemy does not need to bother with you if you are devouring your finances on your own. If you're shredding financial lack, then you need to start sowing your seed in the house of God. Because the Bible says that when you bring your tithe into the house of God, that he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing there's not room enough to receive it. The Bible says God is the one who gives you power to get wealth. The Bible says that he gives seed to the sower, that he'll make the generous soul prosper. So if you want to... If you want to shred financial lack, you need to start sowing your seeds so you can have God's hand move upon your finances and have favor and blessing. If you don't want to be a renter anymore, then you need to start saving to buy a home. I have heard stories. People have been given homes. People have been given incredible, generous gifts for down payments. I, I believe it all. I see it all. I hear it all. So God can absolutely do that. But that's what God can do. So what can you do? You can start saving for a down payment on that house and getting your credit ready so you're in good standing with the banks. Amen? If you want to shred that addiction, then change your phone number. Delete the contacts in your phone. Start being in the house of God each and every week. Get in a connect group. Surround yourself with people that will challenge you, encourage you, pray with you, be there for you when you're wanting to leave that narrow path and go back on the wide path. If you want to stop being a complainer this year, you need to start controlling your tongue. That's what you can do. So don't be double-minded. If you believe that these things can actually be shredded and trashed, then let your actions show that you believe. You know, my friend that uh, I shared had the $80,000 medical bill that was reduced to $3,000. They also, the year prior, had a $50,000 debt with some investments that had gone bad. And they were praying and believing God that that debt would be taken care of. I, I would like to tell you that an unexpected $50,000 check landed in their mailbox. Those stories do happen, but in this case, it didn't. But what they did, they continued to pray and believe God that they'd be able to pay this debt off. And what they did is they continued to tithe. They continued to bring their 10% so God's favor and windows of heaven could be open over their lives. And they prayed and God blessed them with new job opportunities, new clients, so much work they didn't even know what to do with, so much income coming in, so much unexpected. They have never experienced that type of influx of uh, clients coming in at one time before. And can I tell you, God was bringing in that money, but they still had a choice because the enemy would have a whole lot of other things to spend that $50,000 on. So God was bringing the favor and blessing, but they had to be good stewards of the money that was coming in. And I'm happy to tell you that in a year's time, they paid off $50,000 in debt. Yes. And, without, and, they, and they still lived a respectable income. They weren't scraping by and eating rice and beans. God had blessing on them because they believed in faith that they can do this. And if you don't think, there's no way I can do that. Really? Well, God says all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible. With him, you can do these things. You need the wisdom to understand what God can do and what you can do. Amen? You know, I've had a few trash day moments in my life. Uh, life-changing trash day moments. And a lot of you know my story and my testimony, so I won't labor on those too long. But uh, about 10, 12 years ago, I had to shred being a psycho. <laughs> I was a total psycho. I was 
insecure. I was fearful. I was controlling. I would stress out and hyperventilate over everything. I couldn't trust John, not because of anything he had done, but because I'd been so hurt in my past, I couldn't trust anybody. So I lived in fear constantly trying to control every single thing he did, what he watched, where he went, who he went with, everything. It was miserable. Oh my gosh, I was so insecure and psycho. And I wouldn't let him like watch shows on TV because God forbid like a Victoria's Secret commercial came on and he saw it and then he would like them more than me. And then I wouldn't let him go to the Charger games because there was cheerleaders there. Like I was crazy. And at some point I had to realize like, oh my gosh, this is a snake that is destroying and poisoning my relationship. I had to let it go. And while I still wanted to hold on to it because if I let go and I shredded that, that meant that I couldn't control him anymore, which scared me. But I had to realize, and I couldn't even realize it for myself. He knew I needed my freedom more than me. So he decided to drive me up to his uncle and aunt's house who did deliverance. And then he, I was delivered from the spirit of fear. And God delivered me in that moment. Yes, he did. But then I, my part was learning how to live free. Because I had, I, I had, my mind was always crazy with those fearful, anxious thoughts. So I had to learn to control my mind. And I had to learn how to trust. That was my part. And then last year, I shredded stress and complaining. So, I'm still working on it. But I'm better. Shake your head. Yes, I am better. And I didn't realize that I was so consumed with like stress. I'm a little bit high strung. And, and then that, that stress would turn into complaining and I would vocalize all my stress. And uh, one day I was standing at the sink and I was going on and on about, oh my gosh, I have to do this and then I have to do this. And oh my gosh, this is going to mean this. And you know how you just work yourself up? And like everything is like worse and worse and worse and worse. You're just like spazzing out. And then I'm like having this meltdown in front of the sink. And all of a sudden, John just like throws a cup of ice water in my face. He's like, snap out of it. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I'm standing there fully clothed, ready, everything, and I'm drenched in ice water, and I couldn't help but laugh. He's like, oh my gosh, stop stressing. I'm like, oh. And I'm just laughing. Some people like to live in our house, really, you know? It's quite funny. Um, I was laughing, I'm like, it's so true. Like, I had let the stress consume me and the complaining. And God says, do everything without grumbling and complaining. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm such a sinner. So anyways, I shredded, I shredded complaining and stress last year. And Pastor Jurgen shared last week that complaining is a prophetic declaration that your problems are bigger than your God. I didn't want to have those kind of prophetic words coming out of my mouth because my God is bigger than any problem that we'll ever face. Amen. And more recently, and I'm just sharing these stories to get your mind thinking, because you're going to be like, oh, I kind of do that. I'm psycho too. Oh, yeah. Make me feel better. You know, but no, just start writing things down. I'm doing this and God will just start. Oh, that's me. That's me. That's me. Because we're going to be shredding here in a moment. But the more recent thing God had to deal with me on was, again, most of you know our story, but before we were in ministry, my husband was in real estate, and I was a probation officer, and we're making really great income, and we purchased 11 different rental properties all over the United States, and we were doing really well, had several hundred thousand dollars in our bank account in our late 20s, and then we all know what happened. The market tanked, and then one by one, we lost all those properties, and then we ended up just dwindling down our bank account down to just a couple hundred dollars. And then we ended up letting go of our own home. And if I can tell you, it took about six years to get out of that mess. It was extremely difficult. And whether we had plenty or we were in lack during that season, we always brought our tithe. Because I 
knew my harvest was going to come at some point, and I didn't want to jeopardize that harvest not coming. So whether we were in plenty or in lack, we always brought our tithe, believing God that we were going to get out of this wilderness season. And I remember it got so bad some points. You know, I had just had two babies in 12 months. I wasn't able to work. John had several jobs that showed to be unfruitful. And uh, we had to rely on grocery cards from his parents to feed our kids. And it was extremely difficult. I spent six years living kind of in a place of lack. While God always did provide, I would consider it a place of lack. We definitely didn't have an abundance. And... uh, Years and years passed, and we're well out of that situation and doing well. God is blessing us, and John's a businessman on the side, and bringing in, we're prospering. We're prospering now. But I found myself saying no to spending money on things that we needed, like for the house or for the kids. I'm like, oh, I don't want to spend the money, even though we needed it, and we had the money. And then... More regularly, we'd get invited to go do these fun things with our friends and our family, but I would find myself saying no or resisting going because it was a significant cost to it. Let's say a vacation or a trip or something like that. I would say no to everything because I didn't want to spend the money. And then one day I had said no to another thing that we were invited to that John really wanted to go to. And as as I I tell him I decided we're not going to go, And he's walking out the door, and he just says, Honey, I'm so sick of saying no to everything when there's a cost. And he said, You really need to deal with your poverty mentality. And my response was this. (laughs) And then he left. He shut the door. I'm like, I don't have a poverty mentality. And then I got to thinking. I'm like, well, it... Do I? Like, what is it? Why do I say no to all these things? Like, why, why do I resist spending money that I have? And uh, God brought me to the scripture in Exodus 16, I believe it is. The story of we know the Israelites were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They were under extreme harsh circumstances, living in lack. They were slaves, being beaten and starved. And we know that God sent Moses to deliver them from Egypt. And now he delivered those people out from slavery. They were out from under slavery, out from under lack, but now they found themselves wandering in a wilderness. And they were complaining to Moses, and they were like, have you brought us out here to starve in the wilderness? And so God said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take care of you, and every day I'm going to rain down bread from heaven, so you'll have enough for that day. He said, so each person in your house needs to take enough bread for that day alone. Don't save it for the next day. There'll be enough for tomorrow. Take enough only for today. Don't store it. But what happened is they disobeyed. And many of them saved up for the next day. And then it said the camp was filled with a stench and worms were growing and all the bread. And everyone was angry at those who held on to more than they needed for the day before. And the Holy Spirit just said, why did they do that? Why did they hold on to more when God told them not to? There would be enough for the next day. And I realized that the Israelites had become so conditioned to living in lack for 400 years, they couldn't believe that there would actually be enough for tomorrow. And I just realized that's me. Like my financial circumstances had drastically changed, but I was still living with the mindset of lack and reacting and behaving and making decisions on the fact that there may not be enough for tomorrow. So God had to deal with me on that this past year. 
that while we were prospering, I wasn't living like we were prospering. I was still living with that lack mentality. And that limited what God can do in my life. It limited what I would believe for. Because I didn't really believe, oh, could we have this again or do this? Well, oh, I don't know if there was going to be a no, you know. So he, God couldn't, I was limiting how much he can move in our lives financially. But I'll, I'll tell you this morning that I've been fully delivered from the poverty mentality. I have no problem making money and I have no problem spending it. Amen. So church, what is it for you? For me, it wasn't always so much the tax bills, the natural things. It was the emotional, the mental strongholds, the mindsets, the limited thinking that was holding me back from all the greatness that God had stored up for me in heaven, waiting to pour out over my life. But I didn't want to believe it and I couldn't receive it. 